You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, hello, good evening, and welcome to another Thursday night edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I am your host, The Content Machine, Liam Crowley, and I am joined by an incredible guest today. You've seen his work published on Bleacher Report, Fan Sided, and What Culture. You've heard his voice all over WrestleRant Radio. He's back on the Thursday night edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast, the one and only Graham GSM Matthews. Graham, it is an absolute privilege to be back on these microphones with you once again. Liam, what's going on, dude? It's only been three weeks. I mean, it, it's literally <laughs> been the same calendar month, but I'm back already. Very excited to be chatting with you about everything wrestling and uh, Marvel and everything else going on today. Well, yeah, you mentioned it right there. This show, as we say on every single Thursday night edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast, we divide this into two camps, our wrestling news and our entertainment news. And with CinemaCon flourishing this week, I knew I had to turn to the guy who knows everything Marvel. So we'll get to that stuff <laughs> later in the show for certain. But as for last week, we did not have a stream last week. I had some campus obligations. I'm still in college, guys. You know, only got a couple, You're a couple more weeks, weeks away from graduating. Congrats, by the way, dude. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's it's wild to have, you know, a turning point in my life happening in such a short amount of time. Um, <laughs> but we're trying to enjoy these days. And I, I love being able to hop on and talk all things wrestling and all things entertainment every single Thursday. So last week we had some campus television banquet obligations. Didn't win that award that I was nominated for, unfortunately, but (laughs) I would say we'll get them next year, but Hey, we're graduating. So we don't know where we'll be next year, but we know where we are right now. And we're on the wrestling Inc. podcast. And we're going to talk some news inside the ropes. We're going to start off with that AEW dynamite that happened last night. Everyone broke it down on the wrestling Inc. podcast on Wednesday, but I kind of want to talk a lot about what we saw happen with the TNT title. Uh, It's changed for not the second consecutive week, but the second consecutive week that it's been defended. The the TNT title is in a weird spot right now because, as I put here in the rundown, Scorpio Sky did defeat Sammy Guevara to reclaim the TNT title, making him a two-time champion. But this is the fourth time the title has changed hands in 2022 alone. In 2021, by comparison, three total TNT title changes. Uh, And then if we go back to 2020, when the title was only around for half the year, it was introduced halfway into the summer, there were four total title changes. And there was a little bit of a hot potato situation there as well with Cody and Brody Lee. We obviously, I don't want to speculate too much, but we feel like we might be in a spot where Brody had to drop the title. It was less of a storyline situation and more of a real-life obligation. Um, But we're in a spot right now where the TNT title... We've seen it on Sammy's waist. We've seen it on Scorpio Sky's waist. And they've flip-flopped like three times now total. My question to you, Graham, to kick off this podcast, does this devalue the title that, you know, has been pretty consistently defended on weekly TV broadcasts? So far, yes. So now I have mixed opinions on this. Literally when this happened last night, I'm laughing to myself thinking this title means absolutely nothing. But then... Listen, I don't want to give them the the biggest benefit of the doubt because, you know, AEW does long-term storytelling really well. What I saw after that match with Sky, with Ethan Page, and with Frankie Kazarian, I thought was really well done with Kazarian coming down to congratulate his former partner on the win, Sky doing the whole SCU handshake, Ethan Page over on the side looking jealous. 
there's clearly a story there in that it looks like they're going to be turning Sky full-fledged face while keeping Lambert and Paige heels, which is really what they need to clear up. Because it looked like they did a double turn with Sky and uh, Guevara a couple of weeks ago, Battle of the Belts. That's fine and all. I, I think the tie and Sammy stuff, they are better off as heels. I still think it's like a go-away heat type of thing. I really just, I'd rather change the channel at this point. I'm not a big fan of the pairing on screen. Again, like I said, it's, they're better off as heels than his faces, but it is what it is. I think Sky has a lot of potential. I thought it was silly to take the championship off of him in the first place. Um, but still, I think there's a lot more potential there with him going forward as champion. They've had a million different title changes. I think the stuff they did with Cody and Sammy, I didn't like. I thought that was silly. Uh, doing multiple ladder matches to me is silly. WWE does so many ladder matches too. It also devalues that stipulation when we see like one a month, when we used to see it one a year or one every two years or whatever. Um, so that's another thing too. But to me, listen, I know every champion is not going to hold the championship for six months. I get it. But like at the same time, I wish they... I know they couldn't foresee the Sammy heat coming. Like I know that didn't really start happening until after he won the title from, or won the championship back from sky or whatever happened. Um, Yeah. And to me, to answer your question in a short way, I do think it devalues the championship, but they got to keep the belt on sky now, like permanently, maybe not for eight months, but at least for a couple of months, give him a real reign. The guy deserves it. He's very talented. Do something else from Guevara. Please move on from this whole thing. It's just not good. Um, and then hopefully we could see some real stuff with uh, Sky as champion, some meaningful, you know, matches, title defenses, and really get back to where the championship was when Cody first held it. When even when Brody had it for like a month, he still had some title defenses against uh, Orange Cassidy and Dustin Rhodes, among other people. So Miro had a good reign as well. If we can get back to those days where the championship meant a little more than it does now, I think that'd be great. Yeah, you said a lot of things that I want to jump off of, but first I want to address some comments. Headlock Heel saying, congrats, Liam. Well, thank you so much. I very much appreciate that. Uh, Cade mentioning, we just saw Tony Khan on TV right now, and I was like, whoa, <laughs> did Tony Khan show up on Impact tonight? Nope, that's right. The NFL draft is going on. He's going to be in the war room with his father and the rest of the Jaguars crew. And then Anthony Y asking, hold up, WrestleRant, what shirt you have on? If I could guess before you reveal, is this WandaVision? Yeah, so funny story. I mean, these are available on Amazon. This is nothing fancy. It's a sweatshirt. Um, this is just vision, but I bought these. My girlfriend sent me a link or showed me a TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. She sent me a TikTok of like a couple wearing these sweatshirts. So I got them for us as an anniversary thing, as as corny as that sounds. <laughs> About a year ago when the show was still really, really popular, coming off the success of the show, I had the vision one. She has the Wanda one and it's a very comfortable sweatshirt and they're available on Amazon if I if I can plug them real quick. But yeah, it's a very comfortable <laughs> shirt for a great show. Well, that's sweet. I, I love I love the story behind the shirt. That's <laughs> pretty cool. But to, to address some of the things you said about the title, I completely agree with this idea that it needs to stay on Sky moving forward. I I wonder if the reason why they switched it to Sammy in the first place after Sky had just won it was because they wanted to turn Sammy heel. But to that, I say, you could have had a post-match angle where Sky offers his hand out and then Sammy does the low blow or something. Mm -hmm. He doesn't need to cheat to win the title necessarily. What I will say, though, it's a little conspiracy theorist in my head, is I wonder, are they doing these hot potatoes as soon as possible? Because currently, Sammy is tied for the most TNT title reigns with Cody Rhodes so I don't know if Tony Khan is that petty I doubt he is they haven't erased Cody Rhodes from the history books whatsoever mm -hmm. he was shown in highlights uh throughout this broadcast with various different video packages that were going on but at the same time one of the only records he holds in AEW right now 
is most TNT title reigns or most single championship reigns. No one has been a two-time tag team champion to my knowledge. No one has been a two-time world champion. No one has been a two-time women's champion. Not Nyla Rose. I don't think so. No, you're right. Yeah, all one-time champions, yeah. So so the only title that has had multiple reigns by one singular person is the TNT title, and we've seen it across three different people now with Cody Rhodes, Sammy Guevara, and um, Scorpio Sky. Mm -hmm. So I... (laughs) I don't know if they're going to, if they put it back on Sammy, like next week or in the next month, <laughs> I'm going to say wave in the, the conspiracy flag. They were trying to get Cody yeah. Rhodes's record erased. But at the same time, I don't know. I, my biggest thing with championships and why I love AEW so much is because they feel prestigious, right? It's so rare that a title changes hands. And when it happens on television, it feels like something just changed. When Moxley lost the title to Omega, that TV event felt like we the broadcast ended and it wasn't just the impact implications it was the fact that a world title just changed stands on free television mm-hmm. oh my god that doesn't happen ever and then the same thing with the tag team and the women's titles like when thunder rosa beat Britt baker it felt like a special moment when jurassic express was able to capture the tag titles off of the lucha bros it felt like a special moment and before that when the lucha bros beat the young bucks that's my favorite match in aew to date because of all the emotion that happened after the match and penta sharing that really nice moment with his daughter and his wife there's so much to love about those moments and then when you have the kind of hot potato stuff I, I get I get flack for this all the time, but to me, there's a lot of titles in wrestling that feel like props. It mm-hmm. feels like, oh, this is just your accessory as a wrestler. Like you walk around with this title belt because wrestlers have title belts and your character isn't interesting enough. So we'll give you this nice accessory. I feel like a lot of WWE titles are like that because of the lack of contenders matches because of the titles changing hands all the time. And to this day, AEW, I have felt like all of their titles mean something nowadays even with the integration of the recent Ring of Honor championships, giving Samoa Joe a prop. I'm sorry, but we don't really know the value of the ROH TV title on AEW as of right now. Mm-hmm. The pure title being on Wheeler Yuta, one of the most prestigious titles in Ring of Honor. I went to Death Before Dishonor last fall when Gresham lost it to, I'm forgetting his name. Oh man, Josh oh, Woods. Oh, um, Josh, Josh Woods, Woods, right? Yeah. Gresham had been reigning for like a year plus and putting on these technical bouts that were incredible. And then Josh mm-hmm. Woods takes it off him. And then when Wheeler Yuta beat Josh Woods, it felt like, all right, we want to put this title on one of our AEW guys. Same thing yeah. with Samoa Joe winning the Ring of Honor Television Championship. And having those titles featured, like I said, it makes them feel less than. And so the TNT title being an AEW original title, I was just clinging on to the fact that like this feels so big. This feels so prestigious because of the weekly defenses by Darby going on for months on end because Mm. of Brody's open challenge because of, you know, the real world stuff that happened with Brody Lee sucks. But if we can take any positive away from that situation, they made that title feel like a one B to the world title because of all the prestige they put around it. And Brody being the greatest TNT champion ever and gifting that title to his son and retiring that that design like this title they've done so much to bring it up to a certain level that that's why it almost hurts a little more these hot potato uh, uh changes because more than any other title at least on a weekly basis the tnt title has they've done so much for it and yeah this story frustrates me a lot more than it should for most people and i'm hoping that sky can have a lengthy enough reign with weekly defenses in that main event slot to build it back up to where it once was. 
Yeah, I completely agree, man. I think you made a great point when you say that what they did with Sammy and the whole double turn thing, the title change didn't need to happen in order to accomplish that. You could have done exactly what you said with the low blow after the match. And they knew Sammy was getting booed by that point. When he won the championship, it wasn't as if he won and that was the plan the whole time. I think they did that because they knew people wouldn't like it. Sky was only champion for a month. They probably figured that people were more behind Sky than they were Sammy. And I like Sammy. I think he's very talented, but I'm just kind of done with him in the TNT title picture. It's it's time to move on. Sky is a worthy guy of taking it back to the level, as you said, Liam, of which it was at before. The weekly defenses, and, and especially now, too. You talk about Cody's reign and Darby's reign, defending it every week. Was every opponent a high-profile opponent? No, but he was having quality matches, sometimes in the main event of Dynamite against 10 of the Dark Order of all people, but it was still a very good match. Um, and especially now, though, you look at the roster, obviously it's more stacked now than it has been at any other point in the last three years. There are so many people, dude, that don't have, that don't even sniff television time between this giant roster, including Ring of Honor. You can bring in someone like a Josh Woods, or I know Brian Cage, they're doing other stuff with in the Ring of Honor portion of the company now, but people that we barely see on the show. Someone like, a, I mean, they kind of did it with Tony Nese a little bit when Sammy was champion, they gave him a title shot, but, you know, f- focus on that championship more, give it more television time. And they do have a lot of titles at this point. They have a lot of championships they kind of have to manage and and, and split up television time with. Because as you mentioned, the Ring of Honor titles. We're getting a Ring of Honor women's title match next week. I think that's awesome. I'm looking forward to Mercedes Martinez versus Deanna Perrazzo. I think that's great. But then that's less time that's going to the TBS champion, Jade Cargill, their own championship. I mean, I guess the Ring of Honor title is their title now, too, because they have that acquisition going on. But still, that's like, if you do the math, it's probably closer to 10 championships they have. And it's not as if they have more television time. I don't count dark. They don't defend titles on dark anyway. They have three hours of TV time between Rampage and Dynamite. That's it. Three hours, and especially how much they try to cram into those two periods, into those two shows within a three-hour period, is a lot anyway. So, yeah, with the TNT title, I really hope that this is a turning point. We can get back to where it was. Because I agree, they did a lot of great stuff with the Cody Rhodes Open Challenge. That's how Ricky Starks got a job there. Eddie Kingston got a job out of the Open Challenge, among other people. And it was an exciting time, especially during a point where there were almost no fans in attendance. That was in the smack dab of the pandemic, and that was one of the best parts of the show. People could say what they will about Cody. I did not like what he was doing towards the end there. But a lot of the stuff that he was doing as TNT champion was great. I wasn't even a fan of when Cody got the belt back on Christmas last year. I thought that was incredibly random for all of a month. I mean, that was just so weird. So I don't know, dude, but I I completely agree with everything you said. I'm not a big hot potato title match guy. Maybe it's the fact that we started watching later. Other people that like that sort of stuff maybe started watching during the Attitude Era. I don't know, just the thought, because they were doing that stuff all the time back then. Kane was champion for like 24 hours. If that was today, <laughs> I would think that would it was bullshit. You know what I mean? I would I would hate that. So I'm not a big hot potato fan. I would hope they move away from that going forward, but that's my own personal preference. And I wonder if it's something that's changed with the wrestling culture too, because in WWE, they don't value title reigns. They value how many times you held the title. It's yes. like the 16-time champion, John Cena and Ric Flair. They're going to have Charlotte Flair break Ric Flair's record eventually. Like they're mm-hmm. setting up that storyline to happen. While in AEW, at least so far, there's been lengthy enough title reigns that they very much advertise on John Moxley's lower third, held the AEW title for what, 280 plus days, whatever mm-hmm. it was. Same thing with uh, Darby Allen during the weeks and weeks of defenses. It would say how many consecutive defenses he had. And to me, that's always felt a little bit more special. But the problem is 
with a small company like AEW, that's why it works because it hasn't been around for that long. Mm -hmm. But when you have like a company like a WWE and you have someone like when I first started watching WWE, John Cena was a 10 time champion and then CM Punk had just won the title and he was very much trying to emphasize 434 days. That's a big accomplishment but side by side to John Cena, 10 time champion, Randy Orton, eight time champion at the time, triple H 11 time champion at the time. It just felt like smaller than, so I think AEW has such a rich possibility or a rich potential to make the value of championship reigns, defenses and days held, not how many times you held the title because punk said it in a promo back in 2011 or 2012. Uh, when I was watching, when I was first started watching he talked about how, like, so someone said I was, like, the 16-time champion. He goes, yeah, that means you lost it 15 times to <laughs> yeah. get to this point. Like, that, we should value the fact of how many times you can hold on to it. So, who knows what happens with the future of the TNT title. I do hope that as we get closer to double or nothing, we establish a little bit more continuity. Uh, like, make it feel more prestigious. And hopefully, Sammy and, and Ty just move on. Obviously, Sammy's a guy that they want to have on the show and it's easy to get him on the show when he's linked to a title and it's going to be harder for him to be on the show when he's not linked to a title and when he's not in a faction because as it's very clear these days in AEW if you want TV time you got to surround yourself with either gold or your friends and I don't know <laughs> what happens with him uh, moving forward and I don't think that that's a bad thing I think factions are an easy way to get people on television uh, get a lot of people on television that is but yeah, I'm hoping for a lengthy reign from Sky. I think they might be teasing some friction with Ethan Page. I think that would be a banger match. Ethan Page versus Scorpio Sky at Double or Nothing. They're obviously going Kazarian as soon as next week, possibly, mm -hmm. against Sky, which will be really neat because they were the first people to hold the AEW tag titles. Like Even though SCU didn't really reach their full potential in AEW, a lot of people will say they jumped the shark in, in Ring of Honor, which is not a bad thing. I just think they were featured more there. Mm -hmm. You know, Having those two go at it, there's a built-in story, and I think we'll get a pretty sweet road to Dynamite, you know, a little mini documentary leading up to it. So, I don't know. I think the TNT title, right now, I'm not in love with where it's at, but I'm optimistic about the future because we saw how much they valued it during Revolution, uh, that giant ladder match with all the hosses. They were all gunning for the <laughs> fact that they wanted to challenge for the title. And, uh, you know, who knows? I I'm optimistic. Uh, one question I'll, I'll leave you with, though, with Scorpio hopefully having a lengthy reign for now. Who do you want to be the person to eventually take it off him? And when do you want to see that happen? Closer uh, to All Out, Revolution, not Revolution, uh, Full Gear, or maybe on a random episode of Dynamite later in the year? That's a good question. Another thing we forgot to mention, too, kind of on the subject of Scorpio, why would they break his undefeated streak after, like, four? I mean, listen, the streak didn't really mean anything anyway because he was on Dark all the time, but, like, I, I don't know, dude. Just keep that going. Like, if he's going to be champion now, keep that going until someone can end it, but whatever. Um, I guess they wanted to give Sammy more heat for beating him for it. And then Sky took the championship off of him two weeks later, but whatever. Um, it's a good question. If Sky's going to be a baby face, it's not that a heel has to beat him because Darby beat Cody for the championship two years ago. And they were both baby faces at that point. So you don't need a heel to beat him. But thinking about the roster now, I'm done with like the two-time champion stuff for right now. I'd rather see someone new win it because they have such a, deep roster like i would love to see jungle deep, boys champion at some point specifically oh yeah 100 like i'm thinking you know the people that i'm thinking of are like keithley and swerve but i just i don't see them being the ones to take the belt off of sky you, honestly maybe ricky starks or powerhouse hobbs i know they're doing the tag team thing right now didn't they are they teased going for the tag titles i think on dynamite i missed it but i heard about it mm -hmm. um 
So maybe they'll lose. And then honestly, I think Starks is TNT. To get the FDW, you talk about props. That is the, <laughs> if you look at the word prop in the dictionary, the FDW title is right next to it. I mean, it's completely worthless. So dump that crap. Give it to Hulk. Maybe, maybe he can throw it out or something. I don't know. And then give Ricky Starks the TNT title. So there's probably other names I'm not thinking of. Like I'd love to see Eddie Kingston as champion at some point. Um, I just, that doesn't make sense for him to beat Sky just in my mind right now. And anything can change in the next couple of months. But let's say Starks. And as far as when, probably closer. It's almost May now. All outs in September. So probably closer to all out. If not all out, maybe soon after. They haven't done. Have they? I was. I'm thinking. Have they done any TNT title changes on pay per view? They almost almost all of them have happened on TV. I know Cody won on pay per view. And I believe Darby beat Cody at full gear. Oh, you're right. You're yeah. right. So but those still, two, that was 2020. That was it's yeah, minute. it's been a while. So, you know, they could do it. Maybe it, all out. They could do Ricky Starks versus uh, Sky. But again, they could bring in another 10 people before then or someone may not be there or whatever. But I'll say Starks at around all out time for now. Yeah. And I like Starks winning because my guy after Starks, because I'll agree with you on this. I want Hook. I want hooks. No, it's going to happen. Yeah, it'll it, happen. Yeah. It's going to happen, but they're clearly very patient with him. He's only just now had his first dynamite match. Yeah. His first feud, his first real feud, aside from the QT Marshall stuff, is going to be with Danhausen, which I think is a perfect like starter feud for him. And if we push this as far as maybe Starks wins it at all out, if we're just booking to the future here have hook win the the face of the revolution ladder match and then you know he doesn't necessarily want to go against team taz but hey the gold is more important than friendships and then i think that's when you have hook win and you know this is looking as far as the future of march 2023 but yeah. they're clearly that patient with hook and i think if they don't overexpose him uh it's weird to compare him to like ryback but the reason why i say that is because ryback was having squash matches all the time on SmackDown, which back then in 2012, WWE SmackDown was so much lesser than than Raw because it was <laughs> yeah. pre-taped and he was squashing guys from like NXT, local local talent and all that. And he got so naturally over with barely saying anything. He was a mu much more flashier and charismatic wrestler than Hook. But again, he was getting over on his own on a show that's watched significantly by, by significantly less people. And then all of a sudden, oh, world title match with CM Punk. He's losing his undefeated streak, and then he's losing to Mark Henry at WrestleMania the next year. Hook, I feel like, is in a similar spot to where it's like he's having these squash matches, so slowly transitioning into showcase matches a little bit. But as we get closer to a title, he's obviously, you know, the AEW world title is a lot more protected than the WWE title was uh, back in 2012. But having him eventually get that first mid-card championship, it does not need to happen as soon as double or nothing. This is a long-term booking scenario. And I think if we look to as far as revolution of next year, I think that's a perfect patient storytelling finish line of this story of Hook cementing his way up the card. Definitely. I think early 2023 makes sense. I mean, I think the Ryback comparison is great. I mean, I think on paper people will see that or say like, oh, he's not Ryback. Like, why would you say, that? I mean, if you really, if you were watching SmackDown in 2012, which no one was, but if you were watching <laughs> SmackDown in 2012, you would get the comparison because he was really over on a pre-tape show, no less. And then when he appeared on raw, like, like you said, he was facing nobodies. Like he was facing the Colognes and Titus O'Neil and Darren Young and people like that. And then all of a sudden he was in the main event of a pay-per-view and it was believable. They shouldn't have rushed him to that point, obviously, especially if it was a hell in the cell match and he wasn't going to get DQ'd or whatever. And then he had to get B because he wasn't going to be punk. 
just the timing didn't work out well. The whole rock thing was, I can go on a rant about this for like <laughs> a, a long time, but the biggest similarity is like you said, they were both organically over. He's organically over now is hook. Um, as long as they take their time with him, he's still super young. I'm not even like the biggest hook fan. I don't have a hook shirt or anything like that, but I'm not, I'm not a hooker as they say. Um, but I still think that he's a guy, listen, doesn't matter if you like him or not. If he's popular, you run with it. And the AEW fans, they love him. So why wouldn't you capitalize on that? So like you said, I think the long-term story there with Ricky Starks, who is finally getting more TV time, same thing with Hobbs. I think they're both great. They were underutilized for a while last year, and that was before they even brought everyone in. They were barely on the show. Um, but they're on the show more now, which is great. And I think Starks is TNT champion, the one to help elevate Hook to that next level. Could Hook be a future world champion? We don't know. He's got to have a more competitive match at some point. And a guy like Starks could give that to him. And as long as they give Hook more meaningful feuds in the next six months and in the next six months and Danhausen is a good first foe for him, then I think he's well on his way. I think you're pretty right on the money as far as uh, Hook being TNT champion by around this time next year. Yeah, uh, well, we started this this topic very frustrated with the TNT title. I think we're looking <laughs> at it a lot more glass half full which is great news. Uh, some comments here from the listeners. Sherrod Jones saying, first time listener loving the show so far. Well, we're so happy to have you, Sherrod. We also have another uh, comment here from M. Casp. Pedo 64. I hope I, I hope I pronounced that correctly. A whole bunch, but uh, one that caught my eye. Eddie Kingston beating Punk for the world title at Arthur Ashe later in the year. I think MJF should be the one to take the title off of Punk. But the reason why I pulled up this question is because it's a perfect segue to our next story. That talking about WWE stadium shows. AEW's run just the one stadium show with Arthur Ashe. And is it a stadium? Is it an arena? It's kind of in that middle point. It holds more than a general arena, but it's not exactly a football stadium but football stadiums are something that wwe and president nick khan have their eyes laser focused on this comes from andrew zarian of the matt men podcast nick khan uh, wwe's president is looking to make stadium shows the quote new norm moving forward the quote from the report reads as follows the scalability of large stadiums is very beneficial when it comes to having live attendance over fifteen thousand. the event doesn't have to be a sellout of fifty thousand plus but now you have room to do more 20 to 35,000 shows more often, leading to much higher revenue and higher level of excitement for the event. Looking at 2022, it's already clear they're making this a new norm because so far we've seen the Royal Rumble, Elimination Chamber, and two nights of WrestleMania in stadiums. And later this year, we have Money in the Bank, SummerSlam, and two untitled pay-per-views from the United Kingdom and Saudi Arabia still left on the schedule. Graham, I will ask you, are these frequent stadium shows a good thing or will fans burn out of the large-scale events quickly? I think for the bigger shows, it makes sense. We won't really know until after that three-stretch period that you mentioned with Money in the Bank, SummerSlam, and the UK show. The UK show is obviously going to do well. I think it came out as soon as tickets went on sale about a week ago. They had already sold, what, 55, 60,000, or pre-sold, or whatever it was. I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, it, it was crazy. I mean, the fans over there are really passionate. They're awesome. So that, And they haven't had a pay-per-view there in, what, 25 years and like an actual pay-per-view 30 years. But if you were talking like the one and only stuff, then probably 20, 25 years. Um, but anyway, that, that doesn't really surprise me. SummerSlam, we'll see how it does. I mean, it also depends in the next couple of months with the pandemic. Does it get worse again? Do cases go back up? Depends where it is. That's another factor. But I think the amount of stadium shows they're doing now in 2022 is fine. That report indicates it makes it sound like they're going to do more. Are we doing hell in the cell in a stadium? Like, are we doing extreme roles in a stadium? That's what I'm saying. Like the bigger shows make sense. The big 
fork. The funny thing is that of all the shows you just mentioned, the one the one show that's not getting a stadium show this year, and I'm not shocked, is Survivor Series. They're actually going to Boston this year, which is I, I'm going to be there for that one. Yeah, did you know that? I I did not know that, but if you're going to be there, I might try to make the make the trip. I mean, it's right now it's in my backyard. I don't know where I'm going to be living come yeah. November, but still, no, yeah, I might have to return to to Beantown for for Survivor Series. Yeah, I think it's a TD Garden, which is cool. But uh, now I'll definitely be there for that one. I haven't been in the show the Garden forever, but anyway, it's funny that that's like the one show that's not going to be in a stadium this year because no one gives a shit about Survivor Series at this point. But the other shows are fine, like the two Saudi shows. They've been doing stadium shows in Saudi for what four or five years now. That makes sense. Money in the bank is really the biggest risk because it's not a rumble or a mania. But then again, it's a very, it's, it's definitely bigger than survivor series. That really is the new big four to a lot of people. And I would concur. Um, I think that'll do fine, especially in Vegas. They were in Vegas last year for SummerSlam by all accounts. They didn't sell out the place, but it decently well. So with money, in the bank being a big show and it's always been a big show, then I think it should be fine. The other ones, I mean, um, yeah, UK, I don't know if that'll be an annual thing, but if it is, that should be in a stadium. Mania will always be in a stadium. Rumble makes sense. SummerSlam makes sense. Um, so, again, if they're doing the same amount next year as they are this year, depending on, again, like I said, it really is all dependent on how those stadium shows do this summer. If they don't do well, then they'll probably back off of it. So it's really a test run of sorts. But so far, so good. And if it's only the bigger shows and not Hell in the Cell or Extreme Rules or backlash or whatever like fifty thousand people are not paying money to go see backlash in the stadium but beyond that i think they'll do well honestly optimistically speaking i could be wrong well that's wrestlemania backlash to you don't, don't forget <laughs> the full the full name of the show no but in all seriousness like to me i look at this and i i look at it in two camps i look at it as a diehard fan a little bit and I go, well, if we do them every single month, WrestleMania feels a lot less special. Agreed, yeah. We have the giant ramp and the giant sets and everything. And sure, when they go to Saudi, they only ever just do the giant LED screen. They don't do a, a crazy big set. Um, but at the same time, when I look at it from a business perspective, I don't even look at it as a as a, as a revenue thing. Because uh, that's what it says here in the quote from Nick Khan saying, you know, oh, we can have higher revenue if we sell more tickets, if we're at a bigger capacity. Sure, I understand that. But I don't even think that's the goal. I think you look at side by side right now because i always tell people my younger brother texted me the other day and he was like what's the wwe network password i'm looking to get back into wrestling and i, I saw that off, you post you know, that yeah i saw it's so, it's so sweet right you know like i, I love you know <laughs> when i'm not trying to force my passions onto anyone but like when when people just reach out they're like hey that that wrestling thing looks a little cool and i yeah. pushed him and i was like hey check out um here's my bleacher report account as well check out some of the aew pay-per-views i think you'd really dig aew as well and uh, he he was asking like, oh, do they even have like weekly TV? And it's like to people who are super casual wrestling fans who aren't aware of the product and everything, it, it's hard to get invested into a company like an AEW, like an Impact, like a New Japan, because it's a lot more niche. And mm -hmm. WWE, because they are so mainstream, because when people think of pro wrestling, people sometimes describe pro wrestling as WWE. Like when I tell people I write and I podcast about pro wrestling, they're like, Oh, so WWE. And I'm like, well, there's, there's more beyond that. But <laughs> WWE has had such a stranglehold on the market for the past two decades because the other shows in town were so small that they've just become now associated with pro wrestling. And when I look at stadium shows like this, when you have a competitor like AEW, the first time we've seen competition like this in 20, 25 years, when you have monthly pay-per-views and you're running them at stadium shows, it doesn't matter what the card looks like. It doesn't matter how poor people, how much people complain about what storylines are going on when 
casual fans see a sold out stadium, you know, once every two months, once every month and a half, once every six weeks, it just feels bigger. And like AEW, it's great. I love the fact that we only have four pay-per-views a year because it makes them feel more special. Like it makes those title defenses on TNT, the fact that they're more frequent, it's cool because like I said, it, it, you know, ups the value of the title. It ups the value of weekly television because mm-hmm. we space out the pay-per-view so much, but those pay-per-views are only being held at arenas. And very recently we're seeing uh, the United center is going to host the new Japan super show, which I think is really cool. United center, obviously a bigger venue for AEW more alike a professional uh, sports audience versus a college sports audience. But at the same time, when, when double or nothing, or excuse me, when all out happens in uh, August, if that ends up being at the United Center, great. You've sold 20,000 tickets, but four weeks earlier, SummerSlam's happening in a stadium in Nashville. And a couple weeks before that, Money in the Bank is happening at a stadium in Las Vegas. Side by side comparisons, sure. You know, we want all wrestling to flourish. We don't always have to pit the two against each other. But when you just look at fan bases, it doesn't matter how many fans AEW has virtually and how many fans WWE has virtually. When you see them physically, and WWE is double, triple the audience size, they just feel more important. And so from a business perspective, filling stadiums makes you feel like the biggest show in town. And I think it makes sense from, from Nick Khan. No, you're right, man. I think that's another thing, actually. That it's funny that you mentioned that. I think that's one of the positives, honestly, of AEW. Obviously, compared to WWE, they're a lot smaller in that respect. But I think that was one of the things they had going for them when Dynamite first started. When you think back to the initial Wednesday Night Wars, when it was NXT and Dynamite, NXT at that point, not a great show weekly now. You know, it has its weeks. But even back then, when the show first started on Wednesdays live, NXT was a phenomenal show. But it was still in the – it was still a Full Sail University, which is a great venue and they're a great crowd. But on paper or when you watch the show, knowing nothing about them, it looks like uh, really just a televised independent show with a couple hundred people there. You watch Dynamite around that point now, there's not tens of thousands of people like – even Raw and SmackDown, their attendance is down. But there were thousands of people in attendance. The set looked bigger. It looked a lot more grandiose. It looked like a much bigger deal, much bigger league than a Bush League promotion on paper and NXT. And NXT was doing even sometimes better shows than Dynamite, but it didn't look like a big deal. It didn't feel like a big deal. And it makes sense for NXT 2.0 because it really is prime developmental. Um, but that's why those takeover shows were some of the best shows, period, of the last 10, 15 years, because they were in the bigger arenas. The early ones were some of the best shows too, but I'm talking like takeover Brooklyn one through four or all the other takeover shows. They were always in the Barclays center or in a surrounding arena around mania weekend or SummerSlam weekend. They felt like a big deal having that big atmosphere, like you said. And that's why I hate to say it like impacts on now. I think impact is one of the, honestly, I watch it every week. One of the best products of any wrestling show right now but almost nobody watches it for two different reasons. One, it's not on like an easy place to watch for a lot of people. You talk about like convenience and what channel do I tune into? They don't have that. They burnt out a lot of their audience with a lot of the dumb stuff. A lot of the dumb mistakes they made years ago is the second thing. And the third thing is that when you watch their shows, they only have a couple hundred people there and you could barely even see them just due to the lighting and stuff. They're not doing these blockbuster attendance numbers as they used to. And Ring of Honor, the same thing towards the end there. They had great products. But if it doesn't look great from a TV presentation standpoint, TV presentation is, okay, maybe not everything, but it is a big part of it. And attracting new viewers that know nothing about your product. So you're right. WWE, for as bad as some of their shows can be, and I think we, we discussed earlier, Raw was a pretty good show this week. Um, it still looks like a big deal. People will still watch WrestleMania because it's WrestleMania. And this year's WrestleMania 
was great. We talked about it a couple weeks ago, but if it looks bigger and better on TV, the WWE product creatively, you can argue is bad or good or whatever, but their presentation for the most part and the camera cuts have got to go. But like, <laughs> as far as the crowds they're doing and the way they shoot things and the video packages, it's second to none. Like people watching the draft right now, I know it's not on, and on Fox. It's, I think it's on ABC, but if you watch football on Fox, you'll see advertising for SmackDown. You watch SmackDown and it has a big field to it. I know, like you said, I know a lot of people that are not wrestling fans that will stumble across raw or SmackDown and continue to watch it as far as the remainder of the episode, because it looks like a big deal and there's people they know and stuff like that. AEW is doing a better job of that. They need to do a better job of that. The audio isn't always the greatest, but it's all about presentation. As you mentioned, the stadium shows have that feel to it, regardless of how bad or good the show is. If they can nail the atmosphere, which is a big part of it, that's not all that matters. But like I said, it's a big piece of the pie and WWE has that AEW is trying to get that. And I'm, I'm glad that's something that's being talked about. And one thing I appreciate, too, from a fan perspective um, is because I mentioned how it lacks the specialty if we do it too frequently. Yeah. But I do like the idea, as you mentioned, the takeovers happening at arenas and then having the t- weekly TV on full sale. When it was yeah. side by side with AEW, it was tough. Like, you know, it, it's hard to be invested, even as someone who was diehard invested in both NXT and AEW at the time. When I'm choosing which broadcast I'm going to watch live and which one I'm going to watch on replay, mm-hmm. AEW, just it's a louder crowd reaction. It feels like a bigger deal. But when NXT was just on the network and they were building up to the takeovers and everything, the fact that we changed capacities also made those shows feel bigger. Because Mm -hmm. if NXT was running out of a Barclays Center on a weekly basis, or at least arenas similar to that size, the the takeovers wouldn't feel anything but like an annexation of what's going on on weekly TV. That's a problem I've had with WWE pay-per-views for a while, not just some of the matches being TV essentially matches. Having the pay-per-views have not just the same set as Raw, but taking place in the same arena that would host Raw. Like, yeah, true. Th- a pay-per-view should feel like a bigger thing. And WWE's at that point now. Well, they're never going to go back down. And you could argue about ticket sales recently that maybe they should do more college arenas so they could actually be at full capacity and not have to tape up, uh, tarp off rafters and everything. True. But if we're, if we're going to go and build up to a show for four weeks and be running at NBA-sized arenas, it only makes sense for that end destination to be a step above. Because if we just do another NBA-sized arena at the end, it just makes it feel like more of an extension of Raw or SmackDown. And not and that goes beyond the matches. The, the fact that Drew McIntyre versus Madcap Moss felt like a big deal is all because Elimination Chamber took place in a Saudi Arabia-sized uh, stadium. Like that match is a SmackDown filler match. But I was tricked into thinking that, man, this is a <laughs> WrestleMania main event. This is Hogan and Andre because the crowd was invested, because the place was loud, and because they had long, grandiose entrances. So little things like that. Like you said, presentation is everything. And even for people who are super dialed into the product, you can make me kind of just like think this is a big deal for a second and get me more invested. I was more invested in McIntyre versus Corbin because of the elimination chamber payoff and everything. And because of how they were able to have that happen. So can WWE sell out these arenas, uh, these stadiums, excuse me on a monthly basis. I don't think so, but I like the idea of doing more, maybe 15 to 25,000 seat arenas and going from there. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes back to the argument and this will never happen, but honestly, I think it'd be cool. Ideally go back to the days of like the eighties and whatever, where you only had those stadium shows that you're talking about. You only have those and you don't have the WrestleMania backlashes or you don't have the hell in the cells, which is completely pointless anyway. And extreme rules, another completely pointless pay-per-view and you only have the stadium shows. 
like you said, we had Elimination Chamber, Rumble, Mania is one show. I know it was two nights, but WrestleMania, uh, the three this summer, that's six right there. Uh, Saudi later on in the year, that's seven. So I think seven or seven stadium shows. There might be another one I'm forgetting here. Um, but that's a decent amount. If you have seven shows a year, like one, like I love the AW schedule. There's one, like every couple of months, there's four a year. Um, WWE will never do that again, but if they do one every couple of months, one every two months, I think that'd be manageable. Um, this pay-per-view coming up next weekend should be a good show. I would hope it has a good card on paper. Does it really need to happen? Could they do these matches on TV? Yeah, they could do a special, a Saturday night special where, like, I think AEW's use of the whole Battle of the Belt thing has been kind of misused so far because they haven't felt like special shows. But I like the idea of doing specials, in, like NXT kind of does now, um, with spring break in next week, and they had Halloween Havoc. Those aren't takeovers, but there's special shows they do in between the takeovers. WWE could do something similar, like with the WrestleMania Backlash, and then have the stadium shows. Like you said, I I, I never really thought about that, but... The pay-per-views do feel like glorified Raws and SmackDowns for sure. They're not bad shows necessarily. I'm talking like, like I said, the backlashes, the hell in the cells. They're never must say. They're they're good shows, but you can have those good shows on Mondays and Fridays. So um, I would agree. I would kind of only personally only do the stadium shows. I know that'll never happen. They like having their money. They like, and they probably signed a deal with Peacock saying that we need to have at least one premium live event. I mean, I hate even saying that. We discussed that before, <laughs> but they got to have one a month or two every whatever so it is what it is we'll never go back to having that like it was ridiculous when and some of those shows were good but like when they first brought back the brand split in 2016 they were doing like two pay-per-views a month one for raw one for smackdown oh my god some of those shows were great some of those shows were putrid because it's like we had so much content and now with AEW, i would die of the amount of content we would be getting if that was now so um yeah i agree stadium shows i, I feel like make them special do them once in a while, but I feel like the pay-per-view should also feel like a bigger deal. I completely agree with you there. There's something about these stories, Graham, today. We start with such frustration and maybe hesitation. <laughs> By the time we end them, we're like, yeah, wait, maybe this is a good idea. We, we talk through it. I, I love that. Before we switch over uh, avenues to entertainment, I want to give a quick acknowledgement to Anthony Y, who says, Liam, acknowledge me. You are acknowledged, Anthony, and you actually dropped a great question that I want to bring up before we get into CinemaCon news. And that is, what are your thoughts on Gunther beating Roman at the UK Stadium Show for the Universal title? I'm not going to lie to you on this one. Not only do I think it's not going to happen, I don't want it to happen. Gunther is not Walter. I'm sorry. I, I don't know what it is. It's it's the same issue I have with, with Pete Dunne, and it's not just the butch factor. It's both of those guys, during their glory days with NXT UK, felt like the man. And I don't know what changed. But it was a slow, gradual process of them being moved over to black and yellow NXT. Because Gunther, even before his name was changed from Walter, I thought he was overexposed on NXT black and gold. I thought towards the end of his UK title reign, he was a lot less intimidating. And the same thing with Pete Dunne. And also, too, it's a very weird thing. They're both in really good shape right now. But they mm -hmm. both slimmed down a little bit. And Gunther, when I see him wrestling on SmackDown, he feels like, kind of just another guy and back in the day when he had that crazy takeover match with pete dunn and he's doing a splash from the top rope and it's this super heavyweight who's not exactly chiseled he's more of like a samoa joe build but he felt intimidating he felt like a presence and now i just don't feel that anymore and it sucks because it's so hard to establish that aura that when you lose it it feels just much more disappointing but yeah, I, I think that Gunther is eventually going to get a world title shot against Roman. 
Uh, I don't know if it comes with the UK pay-per-view. That might be McIntyre's shot, but I think they're going to build him up to be main event status. But I don't see him walking away with top gold anytime soon. I don't. Yeah, my opinion on this changed in the last couple of months. I think when this whole thing was initially rumored earlier this year, maybe late last year, I forgot when the rumors of a UK show around that point started being rumored, but I'm thinking, you know, Walter and Roman on that show would be awesome. And like Roman's still as hot now as he was back then, maybe a little bit less, you know, has a little bit less buzz. He has barely been on the shows since he won the champion, the unified title of WrestleMania. But anyway, with, with Gunther, though, he's lost a lot of that buzz for pretty much every reason that you mentioned, Lee. In between, listen, I think it's great that he's in shape, like you said, but part of the aura that he had was the fact that he could do all these amazing things for being a guy that big. He's still doing those same things, but I saw Keith Lee doing those same things, and he's bigger than Walter is or Gunther or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, it wasn't like an instantaneous thing where it's like one day he's special, one day he's not. The name doesn't help. Um, the music was a bit, I'm a big music guy. When you change the music and it is similar, it's not awful music, but when you hear that, da, da, like, no, it's like, Oh, this is about to go down. They don't have that aura anymore. And uh, like you said, like when you lose that aura, it's hard to get it back. I feel bad for people that don't watch NXT or NXT UK. Cause they'll never know what Walter was even three years ago. Maybe they will when he, I hate to say this, but if and when leaves the company or gets fired or whatever, he can go back to doing that stuff in AEW or elsewhere. But as far as the main roster goes, I don't want to say he's damaged goods. He, he's barely just debuted. They they just, you know, they're building him up, and I think that's great. They need new stars. Is he going to be one of the pillars of this promotion for the next five, ten years? I doubt it. I'm sure they'll give up on him within a couple of months, if not a year. That's just what they do. Um I think if in any other circumstance I would entertain the idea, I could think of far worse people to beat Roman than than Gunther. Like I've seen people, people have tried to pitch me, oh, what about John Cena? I'm like, no thanks. Like maybe at some point down the road, not now. Even Orton, who I think is doing the best work of his career right now. Whoever beats Roman has got it's got to be a big deal. Orton is not that guy. Cena's not that guy. I mean, listen, I know we're biased here because we're fans, but it should be Cody Rhodes. It's got to be Cody Rhodes. It makes sense for it to be Cody. Gunther at this point makes no sense. So um, that's just my two cents. Uh, but yeah, I, I think maybe at some point, could he be world champion with the right booking? Maybe. But it, honestly, I think for now, I look at him and think intercontinental champion. Not that it really matters because that belt is completely trash right now. Um, but maybe if he could beat Ricochet, they could have a fun feud. He can win that title. Maybe at some point down the road, maybe we can get to him being a main eventer. But I just don't see that happening right now. Yeah. The last time I felt uh, Walter was was special um, and it's one of my biggest what ifs due to the pandemic changing wrestling is when uh, Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner showed up on Black and Gold NXT when they were still exclusive to UK. And they said, Walter sends his regards to Finn Balor. And we (laughs) could have when we were going to get NXT takeover Dublin, I believe it was going to take place in some county in Ireland. We were going to get Finn Balor versus Walter. And the idea of Walter, like I said, protecting that aura, not having him show up, having his goons go and send their regards by attacking Balor, a feud that we never ended up getting. Uh, that was the last time to me he felt like, man, this is this is the mob boss from overseas that just sent his boys to send a message to one of the UK's finest talents who's not on NXT UK. So who knows? Uh, I, I think, like you said, with the right booking, Gunther, Walter, whatever, he can get back to that good status. But it's got to take, you know, consistency and it's got to take commitment. It, it can't be something where we go 50-50 where he's winning all of a sudden then, you know, carrying cross situation and he feels like a nobody in, in short notice. So, again, consistency and commitment. I think Walter, Gunther can get back to a good spot. But as of right now, I don't see it and I wouldn't necessarily 
bet on it. But we want to switch over to some entertainment news before we wrap uh, up out of here. Uh, CinemaCon happened this week in Las Vegas, Nevada. Whole bunch of announcements, whole bunch of panels from all the major studios. We got a lot of an- announcements, not really any footage. CinemaCon wonky in a little bit because it's a exclusive event to where only certain people are credentialed to be able to live tweet from it and those people are barred from taking like any photos whatsoever so we get our occasional press release official photos after the fact but all footage that went out was just descriptions and there was some lengthy footage as well they showed the first 20 minutes of doctor strange multiverse of madness they showed i believe the first 30 minutes of the new buzz lightyear movie i think they showed a portion of avatar 2 um, but the biggest takeaway from this weekend, um, and this is a very niche takeaway because my circles are are very, you know, tunnel visioned to my passion, <laughs> um, is the fact that Bad Bunny is going to be starring in a Marvel movie and not a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, a Sony Marvel movie. So that like there's a little asterisk there as to what yeah. that means. Uh, the character he's going to be playing is named El Muerto. And El Muerto, for those who don't know, is a Spider-Man villain. You know, classic in line with the Morbiuses and the Venoms that are getting live action adaptations. But Graham, here's the real kicker. El Muerto has appeared in two comics. Not two runs, not two graphic novels, not two omnibuses, two individual issues. This is a character who's barely been touched and all of a sudden he's getting a movie and Bad Bunny's going to be tapped to play him. And for those who don't know about El Muerto... I'm kind of an expert because I was able to read, you know, all six pages he's featured in in preparation <laughs> for this podcast. Not exactly a lot of homework. He's a pro wrestler. So, you know, Bad Bunny, you know, musician first, but he's proved that he can hit Canadian destroyers. Uh, Graham, what was your reaction to hearing this news? Are, are you looking forward to Bad Bunny stepping into the ring once again, but with Hollywood cameras? Well, as far as my reaction, I had to check the calendar and make sure it wasn't April 1st. I literally thought it was a joke. <laughs> I did not think it was real when someone asked me about this the other day. And I, I was stoked. And when I found out it was actually real, I'm like, wow, that's that's real. not just a fan casting. Like, that's pretty cool. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, the tweet that I had seen, it indicated he would become like the first Latino superhero to get a Marvel movie. Is that accurate? I believe so. And I don't, I don't think any Latino has been spotlighted in a leading role yeah. in any superhero movie. It's going to happen uh, with Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle is going to be played by a latino actor and that's going to happen in the next couple of years that might be an hbo max exclusive but either way warner brothers is doing it and it's in development sony's also doing it and it's in development nothing has happened so far well yeah i think it's still pretty cool i mean that's a great little asterisk to have on his name i'm not even sure what other acting stuff this guy has done like is has he done any other acting aside from music and wrestling like or is that it He's got a movie coming up called Bullet Train with okay. um with Brad Pitt, I believe. So he's he's it's a Sony release too. So it might be a situation of, you know, they were impressed by what they've seen so far, even though the movie hasn't come out yet and they wanted to tap into him. But I also just look at it as this guy, for those who don't know his music, uh, people are more familiar with the name now because he's been in WWE for, you know, a couple different spells. Uh, this guy is like the Latin Drake. Like he's up yeah. there with Taylor Swift. Harry Styles, like Ed Sheeran in terms of worldwide popularity. And it's clear based on his WWE performances that when he's committed to something, he's committed, he's all in. So I I don't doubt that he's going to give it his all, but based on how Morbius went, I don't doubt it's not going to be an Academy (laughs) Award winner. I haven't seen Morbius yet. I know that kid that came out Mania weekend and I still want to see it. It came out on April 1st. Yeah. It did actually come out April 1st. You're right. It did. I think the box office was a joke as far as what people, some of the people in Sony expected it to do. 
and it didn't end up doing that great. But I, I still intend to see it at some point. Um, I don't want any spoilers on it because I'm a big spoiler-free person, which is ironic coming from people involved with wrestling. You know, we get to shoot spoil all the time. It is what it is. Um, but yeah, no, I, I heard the Bad Bunny news. I'm thinking that's that's pretty cool. I, I will still go see this stuff regardless. Uh, I try to see as much DC stuff as possible. Love the Batman when that came out a couple weeks or a couple months ago. Um, but I try to see all the Marvel stuff, even if it's something that's not directly correlated to the MCU. Um, I saw the Venom movies, thoroughly enjoyed those. I will see Morbius at some point. And especially, even if this wasn't a Marvel project, I would still see it for Bad Bunny. I mean, this guy went from, at least for wrestling fans, went from a complete unknown. When they announced that he'd be at the 2021 Royal Rumble performing for Booker T, the song about Booker T, we're all thinking, why are they wasting time on this? And I know I'm not alone in feeling this way. I, I saw the tweets. I can pull them up. I could check the receipts. People felt the same way. Literally after that, I mean, the performance was good. We're like, okay, cool. He did the Rumble thing. He was at Mania. That complete, completely turned everyone around on it. It's like, wow, this guy is awesome. And he's got great music to boot as well. Like, now I find myself playing 2K, jamming out to the Booker T song because it's a genuinely good song. So um, I think it's awesome he's getting his own movie as part of the Marvel, Sony Marvel Universe. It is a weird track record right now as far as, like, I mean, DC's had some pretty good hits. I mean, I love Peacemaker. Batman was obviously resoundingly successful. Suicide Squad was great. So they're in a pretty good you know, space right now as far as their stuff goes. Uh, Marvel, the MCU is always kind of on a consistent role. But, you know, Sony Marvel right now, I mean, not counting far from home or no way home or whatever. Um, you know, the Venom movies were good. They're not critically acclaimed by any means, but I enjoyed them. And the Morbius movie I haven't seen yet, but I heard it was just pan by everyone that i talked to about it so hopefully this does better than those and they're not going too over their head with this but like i said i'm excited i think bad bunny is killing it right now i see him in commercials i see him winning awards and stuff god bless this guy and he still made it back to be in the rumble this year i mean yep. he's really a gem he's awesome he's a first ball hall of famer for wwe easily yeah in terms of the celebrity wing are you kidding me he, yeah. he, was, he was in after the the first rumble appearance alone but here's something <laughs> that i know we can both get behind in a big way cinemacon whole bunch of different announcements uh like i said the batman 2 has been officially greenlit uh venom 3 from sony uh we got the official title for the third spider-verse movie which, which is going to be called beyond the spider-verse uh we got avatar the way of the water uh that was the official subtitle revealed by disney but perhaps the most interesting thing was such a throwaway quote but all marvel fans are kind of latching on to it in terms of the possibilities and that's the fact that kevin feige said he had just gotten back this is during when he was speaking at cinemacon he had just gotten back from the first marvel studios creative retreat in three years and uh, for those who don't know these creative retreats happen every couple of years with the marvel studios parliament that's what the figureheads behind the mcu <laughs> call themselves kevin feige nate moore uh uh the seraphin who's the casting director all the different executive producers that are attached to all these movies they went on this retreat and they mapped out the next 10 years of Marvel films. The specific quote from Feige says that they have a board and that board takes us through the next decade. And those films are unique and special and they are meant for your theaters, which is really great to hear. I know we're both theater experienced guys and I'm glad that that experience is going to be preserved. But he also noted that in the next 10 years, those stories will be with existing characters as well as new characters and new storytelling tools with the multiverse. Anything can happen. Graham, by comparison, I put out a tweet when this quote went out. The first 10 years of Marvel Studios took a gap year in 2009. No film was released. Two one-film years in 2010 and 2012. Not a single streaming series. 
and they didn't have the rights to the Fantastic Four or the X-Men. In 2021 alone, that's before this 10-year thing was mapped out, they released nine projects, five streaming shows, four theatrically released movies. If we're looking at the next 10 years, based on how 2021 fed us fans, we're going to be looking at double or triple the content. And we have the X-Men to play with now, the Fantastic Four to play with now. Such an, an, you know, a, a small quote, probably no more than 30 words. That's the biggest thing we got from Marvel's grand CinemaCon presentation. <laughs> but the possibilities in terms of analysis and where we can go with this, I think are endless. What was your reaction to hearing Feige's words about 10 years? Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. Uh, very exciting. And the thing is, too, is that, listen, not everything they say is complete. Like, they don't know exactly the date of which movie's coming out in, in 2029, for example. But I know you're very aware of this. I've seen you tweet about it. If you go back to the first one, they not the first one, but they did one of those things where they mapped out, like, the next five years' worth of movies from 2014 through 2019 with Endgame. They didn't call it Endgame, but it was Infinity Part 1 and 2. And they called it the Serpent Society, you know, that whole thing. And that wasn't the name of it and whatever. There were like, what, a couple different things that were changed as far as movies that were added. Some movies like the Inhumans movie didn't obviously happen and stuff like that. Um, Beyond that, though, if you look at it, they kind of nailed most of it, at least 75%, if not more. Like, it's, I find that stuff fascinating to go back and watch now with like the fan excitement over certain things. And then it's like it actually happened at that date around that time or it had that name and it wasn't changed. And that was five years earlier. We're talking 10 years now. So, again, anything can change. It's the same thing with wrestling. Plans change, pal. That's what they say all the time. Plans change. And that can happen with this stuff, too. But I'm excited. There's so many different possibilities. They've, like you said, fed us a lot of new content over the last year with new characters, returning characters. We talked about it last time, but with Moon Knight, the Eternals, uh, we're getting Miss Marvel in a couple weeks. Like there's a lot of new characters they're giving us and I'm latching on to pretty much all of them. I'm invested in all these new faces and I'm excited to see where they go. Shang-Chi being another one. Um, so yeah, I think it's very exciting. There's so much stuff. Like it really is crazy. I said this, I'm not the only one, but coming out of No Way Home, when that movie did as amazing as it did. And then you're sitting there on the ride home thinking to yourself, holy shit, like this is one of the best movies they've ever done. And they haven't even touched X-Men, Fantastic Four or Deadpool yet. Like that is wild. That is wild. And there's so many more characters. I don't read the comics or anything, but I'm aware of certain people they haven't even brought up yet. They haven't even brought into the movies yet. Sequels to movies that we haven't seen yet from all the new stuff from last year and all the streaming shows too. So I know there was that stigma for a while among certain among certain people. They're giving us too much content. I feel like that's the minority at this point, honestly. Because if it's all good shows, then what is there to complain about? I'm not saying every show is a, is a home run, um, but all this stuff is, is great, and we're being consistently fed all of it. Like we went a couple of months without any content earlier this year. In between Spider-Man and Moon Knight, we had about two or three months of like nothing. Um, but even with Star Wars kind of kicking back up again, the Obi Wan show and. Miss Marvel, like I said, Moon Knight wrapping up next week. Doctor Strange comes out next Friday. I mean, how could we forget about that? It's exciting, man. And that just for fans of that stuff alone, if you don't watch anything else beyond this stuff, you're set. Like <laughs> for people that watch like seven different shows at a time, first of all, I don't know how you do it. But second of all, you're good. Like you could be satisfied with the Marvel stuff alone. It's a very exciting time right now. And I'm looking forward to all the upcoming projects. Yeah, and like you said, I don't think that big board has dates locked in and they're clearly not ready to reveal it to the world just yet. But the idea that there is a plan is the best part about this because 
we never see these things happen with like pro wrestling because it, it would spoil what happens. Like you can have, <laughs> you can see a slate and see movie titles and not know what's going to happen. But if you saw an AEW big board and saw, okay, MJF world title reign, you know, June, 2023, we'd be like, oh, well that, then we know what's going to happen. But <laughs> the point is that stuff is happening behind the scenes in pro wrestling. I love that it's happening behind the scenes in Marvel as well, because it shows that like we're building towards something. And Sure, I I bet it's very abstract. I don't think we have movies set in stone for 2028, 2030, etc. But I do think we have checkpoints that we're looking to mm. get to. I think we look at, you know, what's going on with the multiverse right now. We're going to find out a lot more next week with Multiverse of Madness. I think they have checkpoints set in like 2024. Here's where we want to be in the multiverse story. And 2025, this is our finishing point. This is where we want to wrap it up. What movies deliver that checkpoint remains to be seen, but they know the avenue they want to go down. And like you said, plans will change. Characters will be hits and they'll have sequels and spinoffs greenlit and inserted into the timeline. Characters will miss. And those sequels that might have been penciled in might be taken out. Eternals 2 hasn't been announced yet because of the fact that the box office was kind of lacking and the critical mm -hmm. reception was pretty 50-50. While on the other hand, Captain America 4 was greenlit the day the Falcon and the Winter Soldier finale aired because people were so in love with that show that they were like, all right, we're, we're ready to move forward. So where these projects end up, I think we'll get a little bit of a taste by the end of the calendar year. I think we get another either Phase 4 Part 2 or a Phase 5 full-on announcement because we're getting towards that end. You mentioned the, the panel... From way back, I remember it was fall 2014. Yep. I was watching on a found footage YouTube video <laughs> oh, yeah. style shaky camera of everything that was going on. But the recent one that happened was at San Diego Comic-Con in 2019. I was going to say that summer, yeah. None of those movies met their release dates because of COVID. But all no. those movies have come out. The only ones left on the docket that haven't been released. Blade, right? Blade was announced, but they didn't give it a release date yeah. yet. So that was one that they gave the, the title card to. But they were like, we don't know when it's going to come out yet. The only ones that haven't hit theaters yet are Doctor Strange and Thor. And those are both due in the next couple of months. They didn't yeah. even announce Black Panther 2 at that panel. I, I believe we've gotten all the streaming shows from what was announced because they didn't announce Moon Knight, She-Hulk, and Miss Marvel until D23, which was a couple months later in 2019. Mm -hmm. So the point is we're getting to that point where all that we know for certain, because there are projects like the Halloween special that's coming out in October that we all know about, but they haven't officially given a title to and an announcement yeah. to. We're at that point now where we kind of have to be there because we've already seen everything that they have announced. So those next 10 years, I think, like you said, it's pretty abstract towards the end. But I think what we're at closest to the 2023s and the 2024s are pretty rooted in stone. And I think they're getting close to showing us. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy you mentioned that because this is like the most exciting time in any period, like coming out of WrestleMania season. It's like, all right, we just had this like Endgame was WrestleMania for Marvel. Like they had their grand blow off to what they've been building to for not a year, but 10 years in that case, 11 years from 2008. And I'm excited. I'm thinking, all right, where do we go from here? And there's, there's skepticism, of course, from people thinking, how can they top themselves? How can they do better than what they did leading up to this? Like, is this as good as it's going to get? And you might, you can make the argument we haven't reached that peak as far as we haven't gotten as good since Endgame, and I understand that. But everything we've gotten since then has either been good, great, or amazing. There's a lot of people that think that the No Way Home movie was better than Endgame, and I might agree with that. I mean, it was an incredible film. Um, and there's so much more they can do with the multiverse stuff. There's so many different facets of the MCU. Again, as someone who's not an avid comic book reader, but just from what I've, you know, from watching videos, seeing your tweets and stuff like that, it's really cool to see how much more there is still to go. 
the Moon Knight show is vastly different than anything we have seen from any of the shows or movies so far. And they've been doing this on the big screen since 08. So imagine all the other stuff that we haven't even gotten yet. It's really cool to see. And uh, yeah, I was really excited coming out of Endgame thinking, where do we go from here? They announced all that stuff. I was in England at that point. I was on vacation. Yeah. So I literally stayed up until like five o'clock in the morning, local time to watch that panel to see how, what was going to be announced. Checking Twitter every five seconds. Did they announce anything yet? And we're kind of getting that now. Like you said, we're reaching the end of everything they promised. At that point, we know Guardians 3 is coming, for example, next year. Beyond that, though, they announced a bunch of stuff, but no release date. So we're getting to that point. We're going to have to find out more information coming out of Doctor Strange. And there were things even in 2019 that we were promised that we weren't even thinking about. Like as far as like at that point, the Fantastic Four stuff and X-Men was just merely... Uh, a pipe dream. I mean, it was official by that point, but we didn't know when it was coming. And now we're a lot closer now than we were then. And in addition, all the new characters we haven't gotten yet and all the sequels for movies that weren't even out back then. Um, you know, I don't think anyone ever imagined WandaVision being as successful as it was and Moon Knight being a big show right now and all this other stuff. But it's crazy, man. I give them a lot of props. I say it all the time, but Marvel really is a special thing. You know, it's something that bonds a lot of people. It gives you always stuff to look forward to. It's and I don't feel cheated as a fan either. I mean, wrestling will sometimes give that to you. DC, I'll go see movies, and I don't feel great coming out of some of them. Not to shit on them, but Marvel <laughs> movies, aside from maybe Eternals, they walk out of every time thinking, wow, like I'm excited for where they go next. And they give you that, that no pun intended, the eternal post-credit scene. You get every time now, so you know you're going to have something to look forward to. They nail it, man. It really is cool right now to be a fan. And uh, addition to all the other shows and movies going on right now, Marvel is consistently killing it. And no one has a does a better job of giving things, giving people stuff to look forward to, satisfying the fans, and continuing to innovate and come up with new stuff. They're not going back to Iron Man seven, eight, and nine. Like there are new movies and moving past the you know familiar faces from the Endgame era, from the Infinity Saga era. And now moving on to new Avengers and characters. We don't even know when the next big team-up movie that is. It's something we didn't talk about either. Like We don't even know when that's coming at some point. Is it going to be Young Avengers? Will it be something else? We have no idea. And anything can change in the next six months alone. So, again, man, it's very exciting. And I know for a fact, regardless of what happens, I will be satisfied. And that's the best part about it. Yeah, we do have no idea. But one question I want to end on before we officially wrap this podcast is it's such unknown with what we're going to get in the next 10 years. We expect a lot of sequels, obviously, to existing characters. What's one project, specifically a movie, because that's what Feige emphasized. He said a bunch of movies that are meant for your theaters. What's one movie that Graham Matthews needs to see made by Marvel Studios in the next 10 years? One that we know about or one that we don't know about? One that you just want. Like if, if it's one that we know about, sure. But I I also want to hear one that we haven't heard before. Okay. So I'll give you two. One that we know about. The one that I don't know about, I'll need more time to think about that in a second. But one that we know about that I can't wait for. And we're coming up on the five-year anniversary of when the second one came out. But Guardians 3. Mm -hmm. When I saw that first one, I was already into the Marvel stuff. I was already into the MCU. I had seen all the initial phase one movies. The, the first Avengers film, which came out 10 years ago from next weekend. Holy crap, dude. It's incredible. It's incredible. And I saw that first one. I think the day after it came out on May, I literally remember the day, May 5th, 2012. I just got done doing my SATs and whatever. I went to go see it with my family. Absolutely loved it. And it was at that point I started putting all the pieces together. Like, wow. Like it was mind blowing to know all these movies were connected that I'd already been watching for a couple of years by that point. Fell in love with MCU at that point. Only fell more in love with it from there. And I didn't make an appointment of viewing to go see all the Marvel movies until like maybe 
2016-2017, but I saw Guardians, half because Batista was in it, being a wrestling fan, and yeah. it literally became not only my favorite Marvel movie, but my favorite one of my favorite movies ever, period, to the point where I saw it in theaters when I was a sophomore in college, like four or five times, at, at least three times. It was probably the movie I've seen in theaters more than any other up until that point. Fell in love with it. And it just so worked out where I was a sophomore in college at that point. The second one, which again, came out also that same weekend as Avengers, exactly five years later, it came out like two or three weeks, literally in the same position that you're in right now, right before I graduated. So like I had my last day of class. I saw Guardians 2. It came out that again, May 5th. It was literally a five to the day, five years. May 5th, 2012, I saw Avengers 1. May 5th, 2017, I saw Guardians 2. And I love that movie as well. So Guardians holds a very special place in my heart. May 5th, 2022, exactly 10 years from the first Avengers movie and five years from Guardians 2. We're getting Doctor Strange. So I'm going to try to see it next Thursday to kind of complete the trifecta because I'm a big calendar mark um but guardians three though is something i'm very much looking forward to thor i know it's coming out this summer very excited for that but guardians is the one that holds a very special place in my heart i've been waiting for this movie for years now the whole james gunn thing happened that blew over and now we're getting it by that point six years after the fact which feels like an eternity but i'm pumped for that beyond that as far as stuff that we don't know about um it's a good question there's probably things i'm not thinking of right now but just off the top of my head, it's the common marquee answer, but anything with the X-Men, because I'm sure we, we might get a taste of it in Doctor Strange next weekend. We know um, Professor Xavier is going to be in it, obviously. How is that going to tie into it? They do a great job of acknowledging the previous era of movies as far as like, I'm sure we will get a whole new cast for X-Men, but will we get an appearance at some point from Hugh Jackman? unlikely but maybe i feel like they would like to have that fan servicey thing where they give people what they want to see at least like we saw that in spider-man so i'm sure we might get that with x-man 2 um deadpool 3 i'm also very much looking forward to just because i want to see how he meshes with the other characters in marvel not even just for the movie itself because i don't even know what the movie would be but just to see him pop up in a post-credit scene like even in doctor strange or whatever which i don't think will happen just to see him interact with the other stars of Marvel. I think him and the Guardians is just a match made in heaven. So um, those are probably the two that come to mind. I'm sure there's more I'm not thinking of right now because there's so much stuff they haven't even begun to tap into yet. But those are the properties I'm most excited for at this current point in time. What about you, man? Yeah, you mentioned a lot that I'm looking forward to Guardians 3, obviously, and everything going on with the X-Men. I can't wait to see uh, the avenues they go down with that because it can't just be one movie. You have the Disney Plus potential of doing spinoff shows, and I'd yep. love to see an Xavier's School of Gifted Youngsters as a 10-episode miniseries. I think that, that would be really cool, especially with a Disney Plus budget. But the two I'll go to, Captain America 4, one that we know about for certain. I'm a big Captain America guy. I love the lore. I love the characters. And I don't just love Steve Rogers. I love Sam Wilson. I love Bucky Barnes. Uh, I, I just love the vibe of those movies. And to kind of capture that kind of Winter Soldier spirit again with a solo Captain America movie, because Civil War, I'll, I'll say it till, till my grave. That's Avengers 2.5. It, it, I get it. <laughs> it is, Rogers. Dude. Chris Evans is the lead of the movie, but it feels more like an Avengers movie than a Captain America movie. So whenever we get that, who knows? You know, you're a big dates guy. I'm a big dates guy. If that comes out in 2024, maybe it's 10 years to the day of Captain America, the Winter Soldier, which would be that's my favorite Marvel movie ever made. So amazing. Who knows? That's one we know about that I'm excited for. Fantastic Four, X-Men, also very jazzed about. But one I'll go very specific. Uh, I'm a big Namor guy. 
Uh, I'm a little mm -hmm. bit of a comics guy. Very recently started reading just to kind of brush up on research and get familiar with characters that we're going to be introduced to. I don't always want to wait till the movies and everything because, you know, when you write about this stuff, you want to bring some expertise. And I feel like I'm almost <laughs> cheating uh, anyone who reads my stuff if I'm just researching everything on my own by Googling it. I want to actually have a basis of knowledge. But I've been diving into a little bit of Namor and he's not just Aquaman. Obviously, they're very similar characters because they're both Atlanteans and underwater. But this guy's got a chip on his shoulder, and I believe we're getting introduced to him in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And it's been said in rumblings and rumors that his performance, this is a prove-it game for the character. If people take well to Namor, they're going to greenlight either a Disney Plus series or a movie or maybe even a full-on franchise. And the Marvel Cinematic Universe going underwater, I think, is something that has a lot of potential. And it's an avenue we've never explored before. It's a way to, yet again... 14 years into this universe still do something new which i think is the prerogative moving forward with kevin feige not just expand the stuff we already have not just do sequels not just do like you said an iron man 789 do a shang chi and go to kian lun and explore that avenue and do a namor movie and a black panther wakanda forever and go underwater do an eternals movie and go to areas of the cosmos we've never been before i think we're just getting started and grandma i think we're gonna have a lot to talk about moving forward but hey that's your thursday night edition of the wrestling inc podcast we went a little long tonight but for good reason CinemaCon obviously giving us a whole lot of goodies but graham thank you so much for joining me once again on the show you can see his twitter right down there below at wrestle rant do you have anything fun coming up on your personal youtube channel on any of the sites you contribute to that you'd like to plug now uh, nothing big specifically. Uh, I still got to post some interviews I did over Mania with Becky Lynch and uh, a couple other people, Imperium, Gunther. I mean, he was still Marcel Bartel at that point when I spoke to him, mm -hmm. but I spoke to them over Mania weekend, which was cool. Still got to post that stuff. Uh, thankfully, I'm looking for a slower month in May because April was the craziest month of the year so far. Obviously, with Mania and so much other stuff going on, trying to keep up with Moon Knight and stuff like that, it's been nuts. Um, I'm hoping for a slower month in May, but then again, we got you know WrestleMania backlash next weekend. I, I'm likely going to be there for that because it's in Providence. It's like an hour and a half for me, so I'm hoping to be there for that. We got Double or Nothing coming up later this month or later on in May, Forbidden Door too. So it's going to be an exciting stretch going forward. As far as my own stuff, I'll be covering. All, I watch all this stuff like a complete psycho. So just stay <laughs> tuned to the YouTube channel, Twitter, website. It's everything's Wrestle Rant. So I appreciate you having me on, Liam. This has been a blast. Yeah, thank you so much for popping by and definitely check out Graham's stuff. His WrestleRant stuff is all whenever I miss a show, sometimes I'm like, all right, Graham will catch me up on everything I need to know. And I like hearing your flavor <laughs> and everything too. So definitely check out WrestleRant on YouTube. As for my stuff at Liam T. Crowley, you see it right down there below. All socials, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I tweet like a madman about all the stuff I love. So if you're interested in like every updates every hour, you, you got me on socials. But as for what I contribute to for work, uh, you can find my articles on wrestlinginc.com. You can see my face. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can find me on TikTok giving daily wrestling news updates over there at Wrestling Inc. on TikTok. This Thursday night podcast every single Thursday, this exact time slot. Uh, and then for what I do with that Marvel stuff, if you enjoy that Marvel chatter, we got a weekly podcast under thedirect.com, simply titled The Direct Podcast, which you can find on Apple, Spotify, Spreaker, wherever you get your audio shows every single Wednesday. Moon Knight Reviews. Uh, we got a fun Doctor Strange review coming a week from tomorrow. We do fun drafts. We do fun lists. 
it's a good time overall. But like I said, the stuff we cover, uh, there's no shortage of content for us to cover. And if you enjoy the content that we consume, you might just enjoy our analysis on it too. So be sure to check out everything going on with me, going on with Graham, going on with Wrestling Inc. as a whole. But thank you again for tuning in to the Thursday night edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. We'll be back here next week with, I believe, Raj Geary joining me to talk some succession. But until then, we'll see you then.